everybody. I'm Adam Hergenrother. This is Business Meets Spirituality. We believe in personal growth through business success. I'm joined by my chief staff, Hallie Warner, and I'll make sure that I don't say good morning to Hallie because we learned last episode she doesn't like it that way. Even though every time I walk into my office, you I say, say hi. I, it's, it's literally 75% good morning and 25% hi. I've actually been paying attention to it since the last time we did the episode <laughs> to see what that is. So, yeah. Hallie, welcome. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> so, we had a question from our listeners. Um, love to jump into this one because, and we just had a 45 minute dialogue about it, which should have been really the podcast, but that's all right. um, We'll we'll talk about it now. Exactly. Um, Yeah. So the question was what this was specific to kind of um, the minutia of the day, getting in the way and running to do list and not being able to sleep at night. Um, What else can I do to keep the chatter in my brain to a minimum? They were looking for this. um, Listener was looking for tips and tricks, how to keep that chatter to a minimum. And what I thought was so interesting (laughs) is that you and I interpreted that question so differently um, I immediately went to no wrong or right. They're right. Yeah, they're right. both. And we came together with a, yes, we have a great, yes. great way to bring it all together. Yes. But I went immediately to very specific tactical things you can do to help, help with that chatter throughout the day. Um, well, it's funny yeah. as you asked for tactical things. So I yeah. had came with tactical things, but the yeah. tactical things were just completely different yet yes. at the same time, the same thing. And we'll get to that. Kind of. Yes. But it's so funny because my mind did not go there. Um, it did, but that was like my third layer. I first went to this this first layer, which was, um, especially if you have your, if your mind's spinning constantly. Like, well, I think there's a yeah. lot, sorry. I think yeah, just, yeah. just to kind of set this up, I think there's yes. a lot of people who are in this situation, right? They, like, I, you know, I had a, a employee of ours come last week and said, hey, I stayed up to 1.45 in the morning just thinking about things. Like, that, that's a problem for me. And so yeah. I sat down and, and kind of had that conversation, but it's like, I think a lot of people and earlier in my career, I would have done very similar things where you just start spinning out of control. One thought leads to the next thought. To the th- yes. That's what I refer to as the explosions. You have the first explosion, which is that first kind of thought that comes in there. Then it's the secondary thought. Then it's the third thought. Then it's the fourth. Next thing you know, you're a hundred layers deep. It's 1030. You look again, it's 145. You look mm-hmm. again, you haven't slept. Now you're pissed that you can't sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And so you just, and we've all been there, right? Oh, yeah. Sometimes it just shows up. You could have a great day and you may not be able to sleep. Sometimes it's a constant prevalent thing with you. If you have a very stressful, um, you know, kind of nature to you that you bring a lot of that energy there. Or, um, as in this case, one of the listeners said, you just have a lot of chatter constantly. Like this is mm-hmm. not like a, just at night. It's like throughout the day and yeah. various things coming at them and trying to manage it all and keep it in, keep it in your head and yeah. figure out what needs to get done and what, you know, all that you know stuff. one of the, the, one of the reasons, um, that during the day, it doesn't matter this much is because you can actually try to control it. Mm-hmm. Because during the day, you have mechanisms within your control from more of the egoic side. And I'm not using that even negatively or positively, but like the doing side the of doing the world, right? Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You can actually get things done. So you can, even though it's showing up, you're kind of compartmentalizing it because you're taking action massively, mm-hmm. right? It's where you start to, the workday starts to shut down, people start responding, and you're supposed to try to wind down is where you start to feel more out of control as a human being right? Mm -hmm. Because you no longer can be in control of moving things around to compartmentalize the noise. It's always been there. Mm -hmm. And so that's why people start to have that at night. And this is what I explained to this individual is it's during the day you can, you have an ability to set it aside, like almost put in a box. It's always there by Mm -hmm. the way. So that's why the, when you asked about tactical, I was like, we're going to 
eliminate yeah. it like yeah. from there. But that's what I just want people to, to set that up to understand why that happens during the day. You don't feel this as much. You may feel the pressure, mm-hmm. right. To, to kind of do these things, but you have a controlling mechanism sometimes. And I've had clients where it's been overwhelming even throughout the day that they need to pause and say, okay, what do I actually have control over in the doing world to do it? And I think this is where it kind of leads into you is where you went down of the doing side let's of control things. It. Yeah, let's yeah. control it, mm-hmm. right? Um, which we'll talk about how I, I can relate that to that. But I just want to set people up that way yeah. that you probably have experienced this. Most everybody has. Um, and you probably know people that have this more often. And so what I would love for you to do is you kind of hear this is just start thinking about times or pay attention to whether or not this is actually happening during the day and that night. And mm-hmm. just you're trying to just push it aside is almost like you it doesn't exist because I can do this right now and distract myself. It's when well, the reason why we don't like being alone or we were, you know, at night or um, not everybody, but at times is because we can't distract ourselves. That's why we go to our phone, something else. So we don't, we're not left with what's been constantly running in our minds for our entire life. Because when we get alone with ourselves, we start to actually hear the tape that's been running for our entire lifespan. And I don't mean like every experience. I mean, the background noise that we've pushed aside that we've used as the the doing world to distract ourselves from all that instead of paying attention to actually what's there and fixing that. Does that make sense? Uh, Yeah. Caitlin actually mentioned something about that too, that is there some value to that? And I'm wondering why if um, like all of that spinning, whether it's like you've got thoughts, emotions, in my case, it's a lot of like to-do lists and worry about things that didn't get done or need to get done or um, prioritization. And I'm wondering if that happens more at night because as Caitlin was mentioning that you actually, there is some of that space mm-hmm. and you are not distracted by all of these various things. So you actually have the space to, um, for these thoughts and priorities or whatever to come up, but, to, but those can be distracting from the present moment and trying to sleep. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to answer that question once we kind of get through these two different scenarios, because yes. that'll tie it together. And so we should bring that question back up of, is there value because somebody could say, well, when I was spinning around at nine o'clock at night, I remember that I had to do something that I totally forgot about. Yes, what happened? And I just to me emailed. Last night. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's all happened to all of us. And in, in a solution, there's no right or wrong solutions. And yeah. in, in one solution, I think that can be eliminated. And I'll we'll explain that in a little bit. So just yes, you have to yeah. stay and listen to the rest yeah, of the it's podcast. Being the proactive versus reactive. Yes. And um, so the, when I thought of these tactics for this person for the to eliminate the chatter, I went immediately to some reactive um, doing solutions. And I think that those are, those have value. Absolutely. Those have value. And those are kind of almost like a first layer to go to, to, to help with some of the stuff. And then you can go to the the deeper level. But, um, one thing I find really helpful, especially, um, for those people who are just have these running to-do lists and tasks and things that you're trying to remember, um, or even that you're worried about or phone calls you need to make all of those things, especially right before bed, doing a whole brain dump of everything that's on your mind. Um, it can be in the form of journaling for some people like me. I like, it's just like a to do like a bulleted list of everything that is on my mind or things that I need to do. Um, some people like to use their phone, like, a, um, on some sort of apps. I'm not that kind of person. I'd rather have a notebook. So put it all down. Um, that can try at least try to separate some of those mm-hmm. things and know that you can visit them tomorrow. You're not going to forget them. They're down and then you can move on to sleeping. So that's kind of one quick tip. tip. And then the other thing that I like to do, um, particularly for those like me who are constantly being interrupted all day with emails or phone calls or people popping into your office or, um, Adam, you might need some <laughs> random things and you, I don't Wait want to forget them. Yeah. 
Um, so what another very quick tactic that I like to do is instead of just making a big, long running to-do list, because then it's like, well, which one do you do first? What's yes. Some things you can naturally prioritize really quickly, but not everything. Some things are just a phone call that might need to be made in two weeks or something that you need to check in on, um, in two days. So I, um, again, I just use a really simple notebook and I have every single day outlined, um, Monday through Sunday, and I will take whatever task just came at me and I will put it on whatever day it needs to, it needs to get done. So instead of having a long list of about 50 things, I have spread over the seven days, eight to 10 things every day that need to get done. And for me, that's just really helped to make sure I don't forget anything, mm -hmm. to make sure I'm not worried about it, um, to know that I have a plan for how to get it done and that then I can move on to whatever needs to get done in that moment. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And really what it is, is you, you mentioned the two words before is being proactive and reactive. Um, and I think there's different layers of reactiveness and there's different layers of being proactive. I think what yes. you're doing is you're actually being preactive, pro -preactive. I know I said that earlier. You're being proactive to a potential reactive situation that you know could spun out of control. Yes. I have a system of a proactive system in place yes. for I mean, things you just can't control. You yes. can't control what you're going to get hit with all the time. So I do have a system in place that will manage whatever comes yes. up that I can then be reactive to. Yeah. And so, um, which are, those are, if you're listening, those are great tactics to start employing. Right. Um, we talked about like, for me, what I like to look at is, is, um, well, let me just explain kind of when you asked me about this question about how to address this, I went to three different tactics. Um, and, and these are techniques and, and that I would use in terms of kind of removing the actual plant versus removing like a leaf from it. Um, and that's just what I mean by that. There's no right or wrong. You have to start wherever actually your, your comments are awesome because they actually do what the first one is, which is the first step in this is just to neutralize the mind, mm -hmm. right? If there's chatter, you neutralize the mind. What you're doing and how, how I kind of see it is you're being proactive to already neutralize the mind. Cause you know, if I don't do this, my mind will spin out of control. Yes. So if my mind spins out of control, I might as well put a model and a system in place mm -hmm. to be proactive so it doesn't spin out of control, yes. which is a form of neutralization. So neutralization of the mind is really just trying to work with the current energy that's there of kind of trying to talk to the mind itself. So another example of this is like positive thinking. So if you're sitting there going, I'm just, I, I can't believe I, you know, I, I can't make any money and like, I, I can't add value to this company. And then you could say, well, no, you are, you are filled with love, right? Like, or God is with you, or you are great. Whatever the words that you say, those are and that's great. You should do all of these. Um, well, and I'll get to them in a second, but one, so that's kind of neutralizing it. And it's hopefully people can understand these differences. The first one is the neutralization state where something like a chatter starts to show up the, or the mind just starts to talk, which it just does, right? It just, mind is the mind. You are not the mind. You're in there, the experiencer of the mind itself. But anyways, I feel like part of that neutralization phase though, is, is, is the, like the awareness of my mind is talking. Absolutely. Like, I almost need to say that to myself right now. Yes. My mind is talking. I am not my mind. And then you like talk yourself. Great point. Out of it. Yes. That's <laughs> a great point. Yeah. Well, it's the awareness that you are aware that your mind is chattering. Yes. Because if you're caught up in the chatter or in the fourth level explosion of the thought that went down there, the first level is, oh man, what happens if I miss that appointment? And then it's like, what appointment did I miss? Did I miss any more for the week? I wonder about two yeah. weeks. I wonder what this person's doing over there. Did they miss anything? And then all of a sudden you're so I'm a horrible far, person yes, because I miss appointments. You're so far down this rabbit hole yeah. that you have to, it's so, then it's hard at times to go, well, hold on. Like I'm just, I've just now put my entire consciousness on these thoughts. And that's why you feel shitty <laughs> because you're literally, you're just going down this negative and it spiral. it is very hard to solve problems. You can't that, solve any problems from, from there. Space. You yeah. just react from 
anger or irritation or jealousy. And eventually the problem may get solved, but mm-hmm. you didn't solve it with clarity. That's for sure. And it's yeah. almost the same thing as going back to what Einstein said. I mean, you can never solve the problem at the same level the problem is created on. So if you're seven layers deep and you're creating another problem mentally, I'm not talking about a physical problem, mm-hmm. right? There's a, me- that the whole inner world is real, whether you can see it or not, right? Is real, right? Air is real, but we all believe in air. You can't see it, right? The inner world, the voice that you hear is real. (laughs) It's not some made up world or fantasy world. It's real. The things that you can't see are real. Like I just love to use the example on a good sign is like love. Mm -hmm. Somebody show me love physically, but yet we're so conditioned in our society to only make things that are real that we can see and touch. Well, those are just such limitations (laughs) of this world. Instead of recognizing that there's this whole other inner world, which is why business is conduit for a personal growth, personal growth is inner growth, right? Um, so that neutralization is again, being proactive with it. It's working with the energy at the level that the energy's at. It's really good because the thing is, if you don't neutralize it, right? And in your case, if you don't be proactive to neutralize it, you'll spin out of control and you'll do something else, right? Mm-hmm. Or you'll stay up and you just, you just worry about it. Or you get up in the morning and then you put everything off except for that. And you don't end up exercising and doing anything else you want because you spun out of control. For a lot of us happen that way, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you neutralize, what you're doing is you're preventing that from being a stored samskara. Well, I'll just I'm not going to go deep in Zen with this, but a samskara is basically an experience, an event, a conversation, however you want to say it, that happened that you couldn't handle. So maybe it was somebody that you, or that you really loved and you can't handle letting it go. Mm. Either way, you can't handle it. So a samskara is something that maybe, you know, when you were eight years old or 15 years old, you know, something happened where somebody punched you in the face or somebody yelled at you in front of a class and you you couldn't handle that experience. And so you just, you pushed it down. And remember when I started off this conversation of saying, you've put this tape that's constantly rolling on the side and that's why you always want to be distracted. So you don't actually have to look at the things that are trying to actually get out of you, <laughs> which is the all of that is a stored samskara pattern. Samskaras are just circles, just stored energy. That is a circle, which is why the circle is the most powerful form in, in the universe, because it allows energy to stay still and yet keep moving and just keeps going round and round and round in these tight, tight circles, right? It's atoms or circles. All those things are pretty much circles, right? So like you have this stored some scars inside of you. So what you're saying is when you're neutralizing it, you're not allowing any more stored samskaras or experiences you couldn't handle to um, infiltrate or to be polluting you, your inner world, your astro body. Are samskaras ever things that you want? Like, No, they're not. Okay. Any okay. of them, yeah. ever. So, how, so do you never want to store any energy? You don't want to store energy from the sense of I'm trying to hold on to an experience because I loved it, or I'm trying to push an experience away. You don't ever want to try to control the flow of energy. Let the energy flow itself and you'll feel this. What a lot of high beings have basically said is this never ending joy. It's never ending. It's just the joy gets stronger and stronger every day because it's not blocked. Right. So samskara is a block. Yes. It's a blocking of your, think of it. We've talked about this over the years. It's like, when you're first born, you have this flow of energy flowing into you. And it's like a pristine, perfectly clear stream. And then every time you start creating an ego or a self-concept or image and, or some scars, you start putting boulders in the stream. So eventually you can imagine if you're 30, 40, 50, 60 years old and you've put, how many boulders have you put in there? Mm. That's what I mean as an analogy is that running tape. 
you have all these boulders in here that are there that are actually your astral body is so intelligent, way beyond the physical mind. It's trying to get this out, yet you don't allow it to because when that's why when you get disturbed, it's basically saying, can I come up? And you're going, nope, pushing it right down there again. I'm not going to allow that experience to come up. I, I stored it when, when the first experience happens. I couldn't handle it. I can't handle it now. So I'm pushing it back down. So that's what you're doing is, and we got deep on that, but when the neutralization is preventing more boulders from going in. So it's always better to neutralize, right? That's the first step. And you, you'll use all three of these different techniques based on how severe the event is. If by all means, if you need to neutralize, do whatever you do need to neutralize. Do not store any more scars in there, right? Do not score, store any more boulders in there because the boulders will just block your energy, which is why you only feel good when something opens up because there's this just a little bit of energy flow. Um, okay, so this, yeah. Question, so even when this, listener asked the question about how do I keep the chatter to a minimum? Well, I can't help but think that's like trying to push something away rather than just letting the chatter flow. Well, the chatter of flow will take you down a path that you don't want to go down though, because that's where it brings you. So you do want to. Well, you're just neutralizing the chatter. Okay. So it doesn't bring you down let lower and lower levels because when you're spinning out of control, you're not spinning in a, in a state of God, right? You're spinning in this dark state. Like it's just making you going deeper and deeper and deeper. And that's just, you're just storing more and more and more patterns of there. And so what you want to do is when that starts to chatter, if you neutralize it, you no longer have the chatter that you have to neutralize. Then you can go back to being. Mm-hmm. Or you can go back into the present state because when you're caught in that pattern, you're not in the present moment. You're in your mind, listening to your mind, tell you about all the things you need to do, all the things you did wrong, all the things that everyone else did wrong. Why the world is this way? Why the world sucks right now? All these things. So is, but it, so is neutralizing uh, like letting it go? Yes. Oh, okay. It's a form of, of, of this neutralizing yeah. though. But the thing is, is so that, let me just get back to that. The second step is like a mantra. Right. So the, there's three techniques that I look at this as number one is to neutralize the event. Do they have to be the, in an order or you can just pull, pull one yeah. when you need it? And, and ultimately I would go to the third one whenever you can, which okay. we'll get to in a second. Yeah. However, there are going to be events where you can, you're not going to be able to go to the third one. So you have to use number one, mm-hmm. which is, which works, which I do, right? Like, and I'm not saying that I'm anything special, but like I use all three of these at all different times, right? Mm-hmm. You're just, you know, eventually you start using the higher ones more and more because you're able to stay seated more. And just like you said before, you're able to stay more aware of what's happening. So you don't need to use the neutralization technique because you're beyond that. Or you don't need to use my technique of writing a list. Is that what you're saying? We'll we'll get to that in a second, (laughs) but those are all practical techniques that you should be used. And number two is a mantra. So what mantra does is, so the first one, you're kind of using the energy. So saying like, you're you're a terrible person. You're saying, I'm a loving person. That's kind of what I mean by neutralizing the energy. You're working at the level of the energy. Number two is the mantra where the the mind starts chattering or an event happens and it starts going ballistic. (laughs) Everyone knows that the mind just starts just ripping, right? And Mm -hmm. you're, and you're getting, you're, you're grabbing the rope, the ropes around your legs and it's pulling you down, right? One of the techniques, if you're able to stay seated long enough to recognize that, as you said, have the awareness that it's starting to happen mm-hmm. instantly. Every time that you, every second, the minute you disturb that you go without neutralizing or doing one of these techniques, the harder it is to get out. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's, you're digging downward at 18 feet a second. Like it's so more difficult to get out. So anyways, the first instance that you feel a disturbance, neutralize if you need to, whatever technique you need to work on and you could just, there's thousands of teachers that teach, that teach techniques around neutralization, around all positive thinking, all that stuff, visualization, all of those things. And they're wonderful. I did them when I was 15, right? They're, they're awesome. 
So number two is the mantra, which is just any word. It can be God. It can be tree. It can be flower. It can be a mantra that somebody has given to you through a TM technique. It can be whatever it is. And what or that, like a series of words. It's not yeah, usually, words. usually a mantra is one word. Um, and it's, a, it's just a chant. Um, okay. And usually it's one word. But if, if, well, if TM is multiple, isn't it? No, it's one word. There's oh. multiple syllables in it, but there's one word. Oh, interesting. They're all one word. Um, but the, uh, um, I could be wrong in that, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that they're all one word. Anyways, if two words work for you or three words, awesome. Mm-hmm. The whole point is mm-hmm. like whatever mantra works for you, like, like even in like Buddhism, there's like, um, like they just use like this ma, ma, ma. And it's like a very easy, and the reason why you use a word that doesn't have a definition is that your that your abstract or your conscious mind can't grasp around the meaning of it and bring you down another layer. That's why in TM, they give you a word that you have no idea what the meaning means. So yeah, I was gonna say, so how do you choose a mantra that would be most helpful for you. Well, in TM, they give it to you, right? Right. I would just of that. like mom, like ma, ma, ma. Yeah, just like a sound. It's just like, or you can say God, 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 because that can be a whole bunch of different things. Whatever, a table, you can use any word that you want. And so I would just, you can just use ma. Like they use that a lot, right? That's why if you ever went into and you see them, they just, they're chanting, right? And so with mantra, what you're doing is you're actually transmuting the energy. So instead of playing at the level of the energy, you're actually going, you're not touching the energy. So this is the slightest difference that hopefully you can hear this or go back and listen to this episode throughout the, the course of your journeys that you train, you start to transmute the energy because the mantra is going on behind the energy of the mind. So the mind is talking, the mantra sits behind it. Just starting to lose me here. Okay. Well, the, the, the when you, when you have a mantra, if you think of like, like Apple or you just say Apple, 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 like you can think of it, it's like, it should be like up and back right? Or like you can have it. Anyways, it tends to sit back, a mantra, forget where it sits, right? That's, doesn't matter um, for anybody that's doing it. If there's no right or wrong place where it sits. Let me just say that. But the mantra will sit somewhere and eventually it'll end up going back and back if you do it long enough and you'll have enough separation within there. That's to come. But in the beginning, wherever your mantra is, it doesn't matter. The mantra, what's starting to do is you're not paying attention to the energy because the energy is going, when I say energy, I mean the chatter of the mind. The mind's going ballistic, which is just energy. Like, when you say transmute, it, you mean it's well, muting. Well, what I mean is like when you're not paying attention to it, you actually transmute the energy of it going to the mind. Instead of going to the mind, it starts going to the mantra and the mantra brings you up into a higher state itself. So you transmute the energy instead of the energy going to the mind and working at the level of the energy of the mind, which is the neutral, which is like neutralization, which is again, the visualization or positive thinking of the two biggest ones there. And then the mantra is where you just start using a word and you're not touching the energy, but you're using a technique to bring the energy to you instead of working at the energy level. So you transmute the current level of the energy and you're bringing it up. And if you do that long enough, there's a lot of ancient, um, kind of, uh, tac- not tactics aren't the right word, or just ancient stories, if, I guess, if you will, or mystic stories that if you use a mantra properly, anybody who's ever used that mantra in the entire history is saying it with you. And there's been people that have said that over the years, since I've used mantra so long, it just starts constantly going throughout your entire day. And it just goes in kind of like a, like an air conditioner in the background noise. 
It just kind of goes back there and just happens, but your consciousness is attached to it. So it's not caught in the chatter at all times. That's why mantra can be so, so impactful in a technique is it's like an air conditioner running or, or, you know, like you get used to the sound of the lawnmower outside until it stops and you go, huh, that was interesting. Right. And it's not a bad noise. It's just, it's take, it's transmuting the energy. It doesn't allow the energy to get caught in the lower section as much. That's just, it's, it's a form of enlightenment, by the way, you can get to those different states through there. So that's mantra. Mantra transmutes the energy. You're not playing at the level of the energy. You're not going there and saying, I'm better. I'm good. That's neutralization. Wonderful. If you need to use it. Mantra is like, I'm seated enough and I'm strong enough in my will that I can use a mantra to start transmuting the energy up to me. And then the third one, which is the highest technique, which will, depending on your level of inner growth, which is true surrender. And what I mean by that is, and you first said that, well, that's not a technique. It is the largest and, and largest. I don't know if there's even a word that describes it. It is the most profound technique that any human being that wants to no longer exp- it's, it can be an experience. It's a technique that any human being no longer wants to be associated with being a human being and wants to be a spiritual being having a spiritual experience. It's kind of the way I can say it. If you, if you don't wait, a spiritual being having a spiritual experience, a spiritual being having a human experience. Most people right okay, now, so sorry, thank you. <laughs> okay. Most people right now are having a human experience, having a human experience, meaning they're Correct. listening to the mind. Yes. If you want to, if you want to be a human experience and you're going to listen to this, and you're not gonna pay to any attention to this at all. And that's fine. Plenty of people that want to just have a human experience. Yeah. They want to control what they control. They want to, their mind to tell them to go after those sort of things. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Just whatever level you want to play at, that's a human being having a human experience. Mm-hmm. If you want to transcend that, which is the whole purpose of mindfulness and all this stuff and, and meditation, these things is to transcend the human experience. That's why when Jesus even said, I'm in this world, but not of it, I'm not of this world, but I happen to be in it. So I'm going to play with the world. I need nothing and I enjoy everything. Right? So when you, when you, if you really want to trans send the human experience. It doesn't mean you can't access the experience. It doesn't mean you don't see the emotions or any of that stuff. So this is where people get lost. But you do still have the human experience. You just have it from a different place. Yes. It's yeah. no, it's no longer, there's a lightness to it. Mm-hmm. There's no energy. Your energy is not touching the human experience. You're just experiencing it. Right. The experiencer who's in there, the person that is there between the thoughts, between the emotions, between the highs, between the lows, you actually take your consciousness, like you take your consciousness and put it on the mind, you put it on that. And when you put it on that, that is the kingdom of heaven within you. Because at that stage, you're no longer associated. It just, as you see it so clearly, you just, you're no longer associated with what's happening at human experience. You still play with it. There's just a lightness to it. I know this is. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you there, there yeah. but then what is the technique of surrender? So the surrender technique in itself is surrendering to that. You surrender the human experience. You're no longer playing with any of that. You're not playing with mantra. <laughs> you're not playing with visualization. You're just, you're just, those are just things that happen. It's like I have this little note. It says the witness is capable of witnessing a person witnessing reality. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Yeah. It's like, you know, that, that's why part of the knowing of this is like is koans are used so often because they koan is like a riddle that can't be solved with the abstract mind. One of the big koans that you hear right now is, and maybe you've heard this one before, is that, you know, what is the sound of one hand clapping? Right. And you can't solve it. Even if it was a, even if you had the best philosophical answer to the things, you can't actually solve it with the abstract mind because you have to go beyond that. That's what I kind of mean when you, if you got that, then you understand what surrender is just, you're surrendering to all of the human experience. You're surrendering to it. It doesn't mean you're surrendering and lying down and not leaning into life. 
Mm-hmm. In fact, you're not doing that at all. You're actually leaning heavily into life and you're going forward with it and you're acting from that place. That's why I'm in this world, but I'm not of it. That's the transcending the surrender of that is I am in this world. I get it. I'm in this world. I'm here in a physical body, mm-hmm. but I'm not of this world. So when, when you're a worldly person or a human experience, the human experience wants the human experience. That's I'm in this world and I'm, in, I'm I am in the world. <laughs> like, that's it. Like I'm going to experience human experience and I don't want to transcend it. When I go to the last technique here of true surrender, it's you're truly surrendering the human experience. Therefore, you're actually, when you're, when you're at this ultimate state, state and you can do this for a lot of experiences, is just letting go of the rope that you're holding on to. And what I mean by that is, and again, I'm completely wrong with all of this and completely right with all of this because there's no, it's not right or wrong. It's just, there are words pointing people, but the, all we can do is orient them like a menu orients the waiter to bring a certain meal out. All of this rhetoric that we're having is just the orientation of kind of getting people to have this awareness about themselves. And so the, the true surrender is when you hear the chatter start to happen, mm-hmm. you just let go of all of it. You just, you literally let go of, you see the chatter, you see it kind of trying to pull you in. What I mean by pull you in, it's like, it's got a magnetic pull. It's trying to, the first goes, Oh, Howie, did you do that today? In that moment, you have a choice. You can neutralize it. Mm-hmm. You can go to a mantra, which is transmuting it, but you're still using your mind to do that. Mm-hmm. All great. Or you can surrender to it. But can you, what is letting go? Like, that's a perfect example. So saying in your mind, it's like, did you get that? Did you get that thing done? You know, you start yeah. going. How do you surrender? You let go of it. But what are you letting go of? You stop putting your consciousness on it. But, but what does that mean? <laughs> Again, I can only take you so far. Yeah. There's no, you're not going to be able to, and somebody who is such an intelligent individual as yourself, you're not going to be able to solve this with words. You're not going to be able to solve this intellectually. It just be, you have to have a knowing. It's the same way I explain, like, if you, if you, you could have 20 of the best writers down here to describe what it, what it, what it's like to taste an orange. Mm-hmm. But until you actually taste the orange, you're not going to know it. Once you, once you taste the orange, you go, oh, now I know. So the only way you actually know what this know means if you've surrendered is if you've experienced surrender. And once you experience it, which many of you have, you're just not associating it with the right thing because you're thinking your mind well, is because we need the words yes. to explain it well, to the, us. And the mind is the mind is going, I want to see something real. <laughs> That's why we talked in the beginning. I don't necessarily want to see it. I just want to. You want to intellectually understand it so you, yes. can, so you can control it. And so that I, I recognize it when it shows up. Yeah. You, you want to be able to control it. Uh, yeah. Yes. That's what it comes down to. That's what the human experience is all about of being able to control everything. You control well, people, me, control places, and things. Understand. I want to be able to understand. Yeah. Well, you're not going to understand what created you. What created you created you. How can the mind that it created understand what it created? It's never going to happen. You're not, your mind is never going to understand who you are truly. It'll understand. That's why it creates the concept, the self image or the ego to give it something to grasp onto and to understand and then control. Mm-hmm. That's what it does. That's why it creates the ego of those things. But then what does letting go? What does that, what does it, what does that mean? What does it look like? This is all I'll say is the next time that it, when it starts to show up and you start to hear the chatter, just mm-hmm. don't pay attention to it. To me, that is neutralized or being aware. Right. So I, I get that piece mm-hmm. totally with you. Aware, neutralize. I even understand the mantra. Mm-hmm. I've practiced those things. Yes, you have. And you've come to know them. Correct. And then, you haven't come to know the truth surrender yet. Right. Because to me that it's like, if I let go of my, to, let's just use a to-do list for an example yes. that's running in my mind. Yeah. If I let go of that, 
then what happens to it? Will I forget it? Will it not get done? Well, I mean, yes, that's just the chatter. I I understand that. But if I truly let go of it, then what happens to it? That's the ultimate question in life and why most people never, ever truly experience who they are because they're so afraid to let go of what's going to happen. It's the annihilation of the ego. It's the annihilation of your self-concept. It's annihilation of all those things. And let me tell you, you don't become stupid. Well, I don't Actually, think that's true. But like, if I didn't, if I let go of you, a to-do list and you didn't get something done as me being a, in the human experience and you didn't, and I needed to produce something for you as an employee. Right. But mm-hmm. I just said, eh, I'm going to surrender. And if it gets done great, if it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah. Well, I guess me, you would argue that if you're no longer an employee and it shouldn't matter. Now that's still your mind, but I'm going to answer yeah. the question for you. Yeah. It's a wonderful question. Thank you for asking it. And it just means that you're actually going self-inquiry on that. It doesn't show up like that. That's your mind creating a future event of what could happen if I let go. It's still trying to be in control right now. Yes. And it can't let go. Correct. That's why you can't let go and come to know it. Because even in the trying to let it go, you can't let go because you just went there. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm afraid of the outcome. Exactly. Yeah. You're afraid to let go. And that's why I said like most 99.9% of people are afraid to let go. They want enlightenment. They want the, this, they want the, they want to bring enlightenment down into the world they can control, but mm-hmm. true enlightenment, true surrender. That's why I talk about the third technique. True surrender is surrendering to the unknown. You actually don't know. That's the scariest part yeah, about not, it. I'm not there yet. No. And it's fine. It doesn't mean I'm just the three of techniques, but you can start small to surrender. Mm-hmm. And, and we are also still translating this into lackadaisicalness. And it's like, because you said surrender, well, I'm just going to surrender. And I could see it in your body language. Like, I'm just going to surrender to surrender. It doesn't, let me, so let me explain this. Yeah. Cause I don't agree with that completely. When, when you start like the to-do list or anything you have to do in, in business, yeah. right? When you start to surrender, those things actually just become much easier. You no longer need to be proactive because you're already doing the things that you need to do. You already start being in alignment with the things that need to get done. You actually, life starts to support you in a different way. You actually become a million times clearer and smarter. So you no longer need to go to the chatter because the shit's already getting done. But that, and that, I think that that's the hard part. Well, that's obviously the hard part because you have to have faith. Yes. To let go. In that. In the unknown. And yeah. That is the hardest part. Yeah. That is this, that is the, when people say because I want. what you said is great. I'm like, if you can guarantee that, yes, I, I will totally let go. Yeah. Well, what I can guarantee you is and you'll be in a much better state if you surrender. I don't know what that's going to look like. Nobody does. Mm. Only life does. The, the life that created you and created the mind that you're now listening to instead of life, you thinking the mind knows better than the creator that created you. It's like a child who's two saying, mind, I know my, better. My, my, but the crea- whoever created me created the mind. So it wasn't. It. Yes. But you, then you created the self-concept of the mind and the control of it. The mind is supposed to be a tool. Right. Used or to, the, whoever created me create that. <laughs> well, I think you created it because most babies when they're born, that's why they're so natural and pure. And you can look into them is because they haven't created that self-concept of the need to control or desire. And so, yes, all these questions are wonderful and, and you're, you're there. The, the surrender is the ultimate step. But let me just give you a couple of examples. You can do this very, very small. And you're and most people have already done this. Like if you're driving, this is a super example. If you're driving and a car cuts you off, you can surrender to that. Mm-hmm. You just practice that there. If you want to go learn the piano and you're wondering why you're not playing Beethoven, which is basically the conversation that we're having with most people. And they go, how come I'm not playing Beethoven? Well, because you just started doing this inner growth thing for the last couple of years. Right. This is a lifetime 
Beethoven's got, it's every moment of every day. If you practice this, yes, it'll take you And the natural process of itself will bring you to these states. You don't have to force it. It's all natural. That's the, the ultimate surrender is that it's just a natural process, but you got to stop wanting to control the process and just work on the process itself that takes you to where you want to go, which is the hardest dilemma in the human experience because human experiences are all about, I need to control the experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's why we want to control everything. And that's why the ultimate chatter comes up because we at night can't control it. Yeah. So I'm so like, let's loop this, loop this back around. So and we start in the beginning talking about some of these tactics, techniques, so mine specifically are very reactive, but there are some things that you do that are super proactive. I think that actually, if yeah. I had did them, I would, wouldn't necessarily need to do these reactive techniques. Yes, exactly. Which is why we always talk about businesses kind of personal growth, personal growth routine starts with like, again, for me, it's two or three hours a day of personal growth. And I, let me actually explain this. It's every waking hour of my life is designated to personal growth. That's a, We'll say, we'll table that. Well, let's just say intentionally you can do a morning or evening routine or midday routine, which is I meditate, right? I I meditate for at least probably an hour every day, 20 to 30 minutes each time. I meditate specifically for 21 minutes. And then I usually sit for about 10 minutes after that. Mm -hmm. And that's, we'll get into that. That's going to be a whole podcast. Then I journal, by the way after I've meditated to get very clear mm-hmm. on what needs to get done. And then I, and what I can say no to it's like, you're already doing that and you do it every day purposely. And then again, in the middle of the day, as you know, I meditate again. And then I sit with that meditation. So then I become clear again at the end of the day, you're kind of working through these things and being proactive about gaining that clarity. So you have more strength to become more aware when the mind starts to chattering so you can get out of it faster. Yeah, I was going to say it's very, and I know you do a lot of other things in your, in your morning routine, mm-hmm. but very specifically, um, what I think is most impactful for me to hear and maybe other people is the meditation and the journaling are two very specific proactive things that you can take so that, or can, can implement so that you're not at the end of the day having to do a brain dump or you're not at the end of the day having to sit and clear your mind so that you can move on to the next phase of sleep or with your family or whatever, but you have those practices um, throughout your day that are so proactive. And I can't help but wonder if I did the, actually did those, would I have less chatter? Would my mind not spin as much? Would I not wake up in the middle of the night trying to remember something that I didn't get done? The really cool thing is, Hallie, is that the door is always open for anybody that wants to open it. It's not reserved for the Buddha or for Jesus or for the Dalai Lama or for Warren Buffett or for Oprah, it's for everyone. The door is always open when you want to open it. And it's, and again, I think if anything, our society has started to realize that, Mm -hmm. that it's there. And so the door is open for anybody that wants to start going down that path, but it's a path of the unknown, but it's a process that starts to unfold and it starts to become more authentic and all that stuff. Just so you said, there's a lot of techniques along the way that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. So if you just, when the chatter shows up, if you neutralize mantra, whatever you need to do, that's awesome. Just you're intentionally working on yourself to know yourself. That's the best way of seeing the process. Just call it the process. You're literally just working on yourself to get to know who you really are. Because right now you're working on a self-concept or an ego you've created and you just don't even realize you've created it until you actually separate it. And so that's the, ben- that's the benefit of that. So just a reminder, the door is always open. So I invite you, if you've listened to this this conversation with us and you stayed with us, I invite you to have some self-inquiry about whether or not you're closing your door 
or you're keeping your door open. That would be the thought that I'd leave you with today. And if you like this episode, um, Howie grilling me and hopefully providing some value at whatever level that you're grabbing it, please leave a review. We'd love to get this out to more hands and to more people. Um, so thank you for sharing it with somebody that you, that you whether this episode or another episode, if you can share it, leave a review. Um, or, uh, or again, just let us know. If you have a question, send it in to us. We love tackling these questions on here as well too. So we look forward to hear from you soon.